Hey, how you doing? I'm Steve Follen. Thanks for listening. This time, let's find out what it's like being freelance for copywriter Kayla Hollitz. Passive income is seen as this really almost like get rich quick kind of thing. And if it's not successful, you could have been more profitable on the one-to-one side, even though it may not be the sexy thing to do. I would say probably towards the end of my first year of self-employment, I knew that I was not the person I wanted to be for the people around me, and I was not taking care of myself at all. It's just really nice to be able to figure out what routine works best for you and then being able to shift different things around. Yeah, so there's Kayla, one of over a hundred guests who we've chatted to now, hearing their story and their tips and their advice, the good bits, the bad bits. And you can find plenty more at beingfreelance.com or wherever you get your podcasts, of course. Also, I document my own freelance week. If you've not caught that, please hit subscribe on YouTube and leave a comment. Hit like. I love getting the comments. It's really good hearing from people. Like the other week I was having a nightmare outsourcing stuff, for example, and then somebody gets in touch saying, oh, yeah, I've had this and we start chatting about it. Or Actually, they said I started outsourcing because of something somebody had said on one of your podcasts. It's really cool. Anyway, please, if you enjoy them, do get in touch. And make sure as well at beingfreelance.com you sign up for the newsletter so that you get details not just about the guests and the vlog and the articles that we publish at beingfreelance.com and elsewhere, but also for the live episode that we'll be doing in London this summer and how you could be there if you're in the UK or near the UK. You can get along to that and some other speaking gigs, which I'm very excited about as well. So please do get to beingfreelance.com sign up and follow on social and all those usual things right now though let's go to the states and say hi to freelance copywriter kayla hollitz hey kayla hi steve so great to be here with you thank you so much whereabouts in the states are you I am in Minneapolis, Minnesota, so really north and right now just covered in snow. (laughs) Cool. Okay, now how about we get started hearing about how you got started being freelance? You know, it's interesting because I actually got started in this whole world of just online entrepreneurship in general through blogging in college, which is kind of insane to think about. Uh, But I really started blogging in college because I was uh, doing a PR degree and felt like You know, there were a lot of things in my program that I didn't necessarily feel like they were super challenging. And so I really had this pent up energy to do something with all of this time that I had. And so I was really excited to start a blog and was hoping that, you know, someday I would be able to get a job from that blog. And luckily, I was able to do just that. And it was wonderful. I got a PR agency job right out of school. But what I didn't realize was that that was going to end up being kind of the catalyst of my business. And so really through that blog, I was able to open my mind and and my eyes to just how many different opportunities there are to make a living online. And I am a first generation entrepreneur. And so it is still really crazy for me to think that I I made the leap as quickly as I did outside of school. Uh, I actually leaped into self-employment about a year out of school. So that was definitely an interesting conversation to have with my family and friends. I'm in my third year now of self-employment. And of course, I had the roller coaster year of the first year. My second year was absolutely incredible. Um, and now in my third year, I'm, I'm feeling pretty good. <laughs> Flippin' egg. So you were doing PR. And what was it that made you sit there and think, nah, do you know what? I don't need to be in this building 
doing this for this company. I feel like I kind of did have that moment when I was in, you know, like the penthouse suite of a skyscraper here in Minneapolis. But I just remember, um, you know, working with companies that had these like almost million dollar a month marketing budgets just for Facebook ads alone. And it was really interesting because I just remember feeling like, man, you know, I, I really wish that I was doing some of this kind of work, but for smaller businesses, because I really had this heart to feel like I would love to work with people that are actually either the CEOs of those companies or, you know, somebody who's just really tied into the purpose of that business rather than kind of working with these companies where it almost felt like, um, I don't know, I guess those, those relationships with clients just weren't quite the same um, as, I, as I believe that they would be in more of a small business um, aspect. So that's kind Kind of, I think what started um, to have me thinking, okay, what what can I maybe do to do something similar with what I'm doing with PR, but maybe it can be for a different client and maybe I can bring a different angle or perspective to it as well. So how did you go about getting those first freelance clients? I will say that I definitely took the jump. Uh, let's just say probably sooner than I quote unquote should have. Uh, and there's probably other people that feel that exact same way. But I really decided before quitting my agency job, when I really felt like, okay, I'm going to do this whole freelance thing, I told myself if I could get three months worth of clients, granted, those clients would be, um, you know, in between the time that I was working too. So it wasn't necessarily a full-time length of clients. But I told myself if I could do that, then I think that there is something to this and I can start to really kind of make more of those financial plans and figure out what this looks like. And so I was able to do that before publicly launching my business, just with the blog community and email list community that I had at that time. And so I really felt like, oh man, like I've, I've got something with this. And naturally I thought that I had all that I needed at that point. And I think I was really blessed in the fact that, you know, with starting those connections in college, I was able to actually become um, fairly good friends with some of the, I would say, like pioneers of the online entrepreneurship, I guess, kind of those sorts of business models. And so I actually came in a little bit more on the infopreneur route than freelance specifically. And infopreneur, for those who are listening and who may not know, those are people who normally are selling um, their knowledge through products. So that's courses, eBooks, that sort of thing. So that's actually the business model that I started with before I actually decided to freelance only with services. And it was interesting because I realized pretty quickly for the type of lifestyle that I want and the way that I was running that business, it didn't quite fit with how I wanted to grow in the future. But I do feel like I took away so much from those women who were really pioneers in that space and who were really were just breathing life into me and helping me see like, wow, I mean, and they validated that you could make a living online. And so I think that's why I felt so comfortable, even when I did decide to pivot my business model more towards freelancing um, and kind of going away from the one-to-many model and going more towards the one-to-one model. Interesting, because a lot of people start off, you know, one to one and then think, how can I scale this? They read the word passive income and they think one to many. You've kind of done that on its head. Yeah, absolutely. And it's crazy because now, of course, as I'm looking at my own business and seeing that it's, um, you know, it's been successful, it's been sustainable. And now I kind of find myself thinking about, you know, do I try and go back to one to many and, and see how I can scale in that way? And of course, all of those questions come up as I'm trying to look at, you know, what does it look like to grow and scale? 
in this season, but I know I've been giving myself a lot of grace and spending a lot of time in, in deep reflection to try and figure out what is going to be the best for my lifestyle, because that's what I love so much about how I've built this freelance side of my business, which is that, you know, I take on the clients that I want to take on. I take on the amount of work that I want to, and I'm really able to schedule out, um, you know, what all of that looks like so I can have lifestyle freedom. And that's what I love about being freelance. So that's why anytime I start to think about, um, you know, adding on maybe products or adding on other types of services, I always try to go back to, okay, how can I make sure that even if I add those on and and grow in this way, can I still live that same lifestyle that I really want to live? Because at least for me, that's why I started a business in the first place. So what were the courses or products that you were doing when you first became self-employed? Sure. So it was really helping people build these, I guess, online tribes is what a lot of us call it now. Um, But really trying to build that type of engaged community so you would be able to sell more of your products and services and those sorts of things. So that's really what I enjoyed at that time. But again, that model just really was not working for me. And so when I got to a huge burnout stage and I was working 80 to 90 hours a week and it was just so detrimental um, to to my health and, and to the people around me where I just knew that I had to make a change going into my second year of self-employment. Um, I kind of took that time and tried to understand, okay, if I could go back and realize like, what is it that I've always enjoyed doing? And that thing is writing for me. Um, you know, I really enjoy social media. I really enjoy blogging. I really enjoy all of these different parts of marketing um, that it, are in my background, but the heart of everything comes down to my vocation which is writing. So that's why I really looked into what could I do specifically with writing and copywriting just seemed like such a natural fit. And it was something that I had done at the agency. It was something I was doing a little bit with my clients then. But once I decided to just really, you know, specify that that's exactly what I'm going to do and kind of hit my stride there, that's when everything really changed for my business. What were you doing that was taking up all these hours? Because normally you will sit there and you think, you know, if I'm doing copywriting for somebody, then that's taking up a certain amount of hours. And if I take on more copywriting jobs, that's going to take more hours. Whereas with the courses model, you kind of think, well, I'm going to do this amount of work, but then it's done and I'm kind of in control. So that seemed to kind of spiral out of control then if it wasn't working for you. Sure. I think this is such a good conversation to have too, because I do think that that is one of the things that people don't necessarily always understand when they're getting into a one-to-many model, which is that you have to spend a lot more time and energy in the acquisition kind of phase. So I really enjoyed marketing. So for the longest time, I didn't necessarily see like how much that was going to affect me um, and how it was going to kind of be detrimental to to my health at that point. But uh, I, I found really quickly that I really wanted to, instead of focusing all of my time on just getting more people and getting more people, which a lot of times for these courses and eBooks, that's kind of what you have to be a little bit more focused on. You have to be really looking at what your, your audience growth is going to be rather than building that super tight knit group of people like maybe you do with freelancing because if you're getting those monthly projects that are always recurring that are coming in um, and you only have to nurture maybe some of the the one-off projects that still take two months, three months at a time, that's a lot more manageable than trying to build these huge audiences to then maybe try to convert in different kinds of ways. And 
you know, then you're always starting to create all different types of products, depending on what entry level that they're in, um, you know, beginner, in, intermediate, advanced. And I feel like even as I'm talking about this, I feel like my voice keeps getting faster and faster because you can hear kind of how much really goes into it. And I didn't realize, yeah, I just really didn't realize kind of going into it that it just took, I think, a different devotion level to make it something that is profitable. And I do think it is something if if people are able to have the right team around them, I think it definitely can be a model that is really profitable and is incredible. But I have always been kind of a solopreneur and in a very much so an individualist. So I knew that you know, stepping more into a freelance model was going to allow me to nurture more people, not have to be so focused on constantly acquiring new people all the time. Um, so I could really serve people in the way that I knew that I could serve them best. Gotcha. Yeah. So it's it's that thing where actually, because you went into that model, I guess without an audience, therefore, actually, it was all the hours that you had to put into constantly marketing yourself. Absolutely. And I think there's so many different platforms, um, especially since that was really my first year, at least of um, self-employment. It's really hard to know exactly which platforms right away are going to be your most successful. So a lot of times you can start blogging and podcasting and videos and all the social media platforms. And if you really try to you know spread yourself out like that, naturally, you're going you're gonna to spread yourself pretty thin. So I do think that the one-to-many model can be something that's really great, especially for people who start more on the one-to-one. But yeah, I guess I kind of sound like a um, warning call to people who are are just (laughs) jumping into it. But I do think it is really good to have these transparent conversations because I do think that you know, passive income is seen as this really almost like get rich quick kind of thing. And people don't understand that you could actually spend a lot more time um, in that side of things. And if it's not necessarily successful, you could have been more profitable on the one to one side, even though it may not be the quote unquote, like sexy thing to do. So I just think it's really good to just take a step back and realize what's going to work best for you, because um, that's just the best way to choose any kind of business model. Yeah. So did it get to a really bad point in that? Or did you gradually think that I I just need to go to services? What was that transition like? Uh, It definitely got to a bad point where I would say probably towards the end of my first year of self-employment, I knew that I was not the person I wanted to be for the people around me. And I was not taking care of myself at all. And so I knew with kind of looking at that, that, um, you know, my, my identity couldn't be so tied to my work and I couldn't be hustling, hustling so much, um, in this pure acquisition mode, if it was going to make me feel like I wasn't even totally a whole person outside of what I was doing. And I think that another part that was difficult difficult too, especially um, maybe for other freelancers who are listening, who have kind of built what we call that personal brand. It can be difficult once you start to kind of run yourself thin. And if your name is attached to your business like that, um, I think it just kind of has different questions that that come up. Okay, so you've been seduced by the idea of doing that kind of business. You realize it doesn't work, but you you don't give up on being self-employed, yes. which is awesome. Because <laughs> you could have easily done it, couldn't you? You could have Absolutely. easily gone back into an office. <laughs> so how did you approach that second year? Sure. So I knew going into it that if I was going to kind of validate this idea that I wanted to focus 
basically 100% of my energy on client work because I knew that the most successful things that I had done in the year past was when I was working kind of on that one-to-one level. But I knew that if I was doing it more with a with a copywriting-based uh, model, that it was going to work a lot better for me. So I actually decided to take some of the clients that I was working with um, on the social media consulting side and told them like, Hey, by the way, I'm not thinking about doing this anymore. I'm going to be pivoting and doing this instead. And this is more aligned with my background. Is it something that basically you want to kind of take a chance on with me and see how it goes? And all of them were like, yes, let's do it. I'm really excited about it. And you know, I'm, I still have them as clients today in my third year. So it's really amazing just to have been able to um, transition in that kind of a way and feel like instead of announcing to the world like, oh, this is all the new stuff I'm going to be doing. I was able to really decide in the background behind the scenes for myself if this was going to work out or not before I really kind of went full fledged and decided that this is kind of what I'm going to be known for doing now. And in that respect, the fact that you'd sold your business on your name and your personal brand, as you said earlier, pays dividends in that actually those people are bought into you. Yeah, I, I tell people all the time that I think that that's the only reason why I've been successful with all of the transitions that I've made is that I've always been super transparent about all of those transitions. And now as you're in your third year, what's different this time around? So I think this time around, um, a huge thing is just feeling very much so aligned with what I want my lifestyle to look like. If I'm not building a business around the time that I want to take off to be with family and friends and the time that I want to make sure that I'm taking care of myself so that I can actually show up for my clients in a really great way. It really helps me understand, you know, what it looks like to do that in a healthy way. And then I can always remind myself, you know, what it looks like kind of when I was doing it in an unhealthy way. So I almost have both sides of that spectrum where I'm able to take any idea that I have moving forward and kind of place it into that, I guess we'll call it like a decision funnel and try to understand, you know, what side of that spectrum is it going to be on? And I really enjoy now being able to play with different ideas in a very small way. I try to take the biggest ideas that I have since I'm definitely more of like a dreamer and visionary type person as a creative. I try to understand like how can I take the simplest form of this idea and test it now before I put all of this time and energy into creating all of these different services or products and all of those things and not necessarily know if that's going to be validated by my audience yet. So I just feel like going into this third year, I have a lot more, um, I guess, intention just behind everything that I'm doing, because I also understand how quickly it can kind of get out of control. (laughs) So yeah, you said lifestyle freedom. What does that look like to you? Absolutely. So, so far, um, you know, especially this year, it's looked like, um, you know, there are specific days like Tuesdays. I really like to take those days off to where, you know, I can have calls and meetings during those days, but I can also do my grocery shopping then. And I can feel really good about going to a networking event and some of those different things where it's just really nice to be able to figure out what routine uh, works best for you and then being able to shift different things around. Um, 
Um, I know one thing, especially for me, that's really become important is that even though I have full freedom um, during the week doesn't necessarily mean that most of the people I love do. So it's really great for me to be able to actually take most weekends off, which I know not every freelancer does and not every freelancer needs to by any means. But it really helps me to figure out, you know, how can I kind of work my schedule within the people that I really want to make sure that I'm seeing on a weekly or monthly basis. And so, yeah, it's just kind of looking at what I want my life to consist of, what I feel like I need to do for my own self every day, every week, or even if it's every month. Um, And then being able to see also how it's affecting the people around me, because that's a very important thing for me when I'm running my business. And speaking of running your business, are your clients spread out all over the place then? Yeah. So when I first started, it's interesting. I had about like 90% of my clients were online and there were about 10% that were local. And now I've become a little bit more like 60% online, 40% local, but it also is really great just to feel like I'm much more, I guess, present in my local community. So I do have more clients that I'm actually being able to, to meet with, um, in person, which has been just a really cool experience for me because I've always been so used used to working with people online, that getting kind of back to that face-to-face connection. um, Yeah, it just, it feels really good too. But I also know that being able to take clients on that are online, a lot of time I'm able to work a lot more um, with kind of some of my ideal client projects because I'm able to not necessarily have to go just by who I'm nearest to as far as location goes. So when you were creating the services for year two and what you go forward now, did you experiment with different things? Obviously, writing, you said, was like, that's your main passion. Yeah. And I think that's such a great question because in copywriting, I mean, I have so many different copywriter friends who do completely different things than I do. Um, And I'm sure that's the same for just about any freelance um, profession. And so I really knew going in that I wanted to pick a pretty specific niche, um, not only with the audience and and the people um, that I wanted to work with, but also especially with the kinds of work, because I know that I do a whole lot better when I am doing website copywriting. And, you know, of course, as a blogger, I really kind of built my business on the backbone of blogging and email uh, newsletters and email sequences and those sorts of things. So I would say those are kind of the main things that I focus on. And then anything else that looks a little bit more like, um, I guess, more print copy, advertisements, even social media um, ads and those sorts of things. I usually... Uh, refer that to other people just because I know that they're going to be able to shine a lot more than I'm going to be able to because I really want to focus in on these things that not only do I feel like I'm best at, but they are definitely the things that I, you know, have the best results uh, with from a portfolio standpoint. So it also is really great just to be known for those things and to kind of stay in your lane, so to speak. When you talk about your blog, just describe that. Was it something that you started but you're still doing now? What kind of a blog is it? Absolutely. This is such a good question. I know when I started my blog, it was a little bit more, of course, like PR focused um, a lot with social media. And then it kind of grew a little bit more into um, talking more about um, DIY copywriting and, and some of those sorts of things. But I will be 
totally honest and say that I have had to give myself a lot of grace, especially last year when I was focusing so heavily on um, really my client processes and making sure that it was working from that standpoint and and really having a, a profitable business that I didn't get to put as much energy into my blog. But luckily this year, as I'm kind of going into, um, you know, the second quarter of 2018, it's been really great to feel like, oh, like I get to get back to blogging, get back to my roots, because that's something that's really important to me. And it feels like an expression of my work, um, rather than just me always having to do writing for hire. Um, and I think that that's a really important thing for all freelancers to feel like you kind of have those side projects, even if they're kind of within your business too, uh, that you get to feel like are a little bit more of your expression, I guess. So I've always got some sort of side project. I know um, my big side project that I was working on along with the blog um, for a few years was a poetry collection that I self-published, which was just a really amazing way for me to feel like um, you know, I was developing my voice, but in a completely different format than, of course, what I do now and even what I was doing with my blog. So that was a really important um, side project, especially from a personal fulfillment standpoint. And I know a huge side project that I did last year, um, probably the most uh, pivotal thing I've ever done in my life, which was I hosted a 100% charitable business conference here in Minneapolis called Your Own Way Conference. And it was basically all based around this idea of inspiring other entrepreneurs here in the Minneapolis area to build a business on their own terms rather than feeling like they had to do different things that um, they felt they should do. And the beautiful thing about it was that we just donated 100% of all of the proceeds to a sex trafficking service provider here in Minneapolis. So it was just amazing to feel like we could do something really big, but then also... um, you know, help other people in the community connect with each other and um, get a little bit less online communication and and also kind of bring it all under one roof. So I was an event planning novice and that taught me a heck of a lot. But I feel like all of these side projects, I learned so much from them and I'm able to take a lot into my business and it just makes me a better business owner. And I think just an all around person too, with being able to focus on all these different things that I really want to be able to do with my life. Wow. Well, good for you. That's, that's no mean feat. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, I struggle getting a couple of people together for coffee. <laughs> so no, good for you. Now, I always do this thing where I ask for three facts about yourself. Make two true, one a lie, and let me figure out the lie. What have you got for me, Kayla? Okay. I'm going to try really hard not to laugh during any of them because I have this horrible tendency of giving myself away. Um, <laughs> so we'll see. We'll see if I can do this. Okay. So the first fact is I performed Ice Ice Baby spontaneously during my high school gym class. (laughs) On my first date, I spit out my gum tripping on the carpet at a bowling alley. And my third and last fact is my worst nightmare came true when I was sprayed with rotten bananas at a entertainment Broadway show. Whoa. Okay. So you were in a gym class and you spontaneously did Ice Ice Baby. Yes. Was it uh, a class 
where other people were singing and dancing? Nope, just me. Basically just came came on the came on the music speakers and everybody could see that I was starting to rap it and so they were kind of cheering me on to get up and so then I just gave I gave the people what they wanted. Excellent. You see us Brits have visions of what happens in American high schools and that that basically happens every day from what we see from TV and films. So that's good. So you spit gum while you're on a date, which, I mean, I can't believe you do that. There's, that's where the lie is. You, clearly a lady would not spit her gum on her first date whilst at bowling. Maybe you would. Rotten, bana- rotten banana. So you went to see a show and they sprayed rotten bananas at the audience or just at you? Yes. So at the audience, but I was still like in the front row seat. So. Oh, this is tough. But do you know what? I'm still going to go with the fact that I don't think you would have spat gum. I'm going to say that the bowling alley spitting gum, tripping up on a first date, that is the lie. Oh, man. So the lie actually is that I performed Ice Ice Baby, (gasps) but I did spit out gum and it was the worst. (laughs) So you really are filthy enough to have spat out the gum. I I had you so much. I thought you were a lady. Oh, I thought I was too. (laughs) And so did the person on the date with you. I can't even tell you how bad it was. Excellent. Okay, well, you totally got me there. If you could tell your younger self one thing about being freelance, what would that be? Mm. I would say the biggest thing is know your numbers before anything else. And I say this as a creative person who used to be absolutely terrified by everything financial, but I actually found that the most empowering thing to do is to really look at your numbers, whether that's every day, week, month, whatever works best for you. I just have found so much power in being able to kind of take some of that fear out of the money part and and kind of telling myself, oh, I can't do math because I'm a writer or whatever I tell myself um, as an excuse. But I would definitely say uh, that in order to actually be successful at freelance, you really need to understand uh, from a financial standpoint how you're going to make it work. How have you gone about that? Do you use online software or like what's your thing? Sure. So I really enjoy being able to use a CRM tool. I specifically use um, Dubsado. I know a lot of people use like 17 hats or Basecamp or whatever that kind of looks like for them. But I really enjoy being able to do my bookkeeping, at least in a simple way, inside that same tool. So then anytime I'm actually in there um, to look at different things that my clients have sent me or invoices, contracts, all that kind of stuff. I'm also looking at what my income is and what's coming in all the time. So it just really kind of takes away, again, that power from it having to be a scary thing. And it's just a thing that I do in my business now. Interesting. So so you do that from within a, a CRM. Frankly, most of that stuff I end up storing in my head. Not so much the numbers. No, I totally get it. I was like that for the longest time too and felt like, okay, do I really need this? Or like, is this just like one more tool that I have to deal with? And at least for me, I have found it to be really great just to have not only my invoices and contracts all in one place, but I have all of my client um, questionnaires and intake forms in there as well. Yeah, all of the bookkeeping stuff. And it kind of just speeds up some of my process. It's just been, really amazing to have everything kind of in one place. And I've gotten a lot of comments from clients saying that it's just, it's so great to have it all um, in one central place and they really enjoy it. So since I've gotten good feedback from them, I'm like, okay, I'll keep it. (laughs) Oh, cool. So there's like a client side to it as well so that they can see where the project is going or something like that. Is that it? 
Yes, absolutely. And of course, I think I have it pretty easy because as a writer, I basically just use that in Google Drive for everything, which is really nice. Yeah. And so you mentioned processes there as well. So so you've spent time, what, creating something which you then reuse or like, what is that? Yeah, each of my specific services have a very specific process that I have um, all of my clients go through. And so that's something that I like to give them kind of in a welcome guide to let them know. It's also outlined on our contracts. And all of those things are all within the, the CRM tool. So it's not like I constantly have to be saying the same things kind of over and over again and spending all that time. I kind of spend the time up front to figure out, okay, what is my streamlined process look like that I'm going to be bringing people through and then just kind of doing that <laughs> and it works really well which has been great <laughs> no that's great so so if somebody comes on board you you're like sending them a questionnaire yes yes and is that like an online questionnaire that feeds into that Yes. Yep. So everything is kind of within um, that CRM. And it's really great because I usually have them fill out a questionnaire before um, I kind of let them know what the website wireframes are going to look like from a copy perspective. And then I'm able to use all that questionnaire information to help me create those. And then once I walk through them on the call, then I'm able to also send another form afterwards just with any more information that came up that I'm going to need before they kind of let me lose to do my thing. Because I will say again, with being a pretty independent worker, I love being able to have my process built in a way where it lets clients kind of give me everything I need up front and helps them feel like they're a part of that collaborative process. But it also is kind of a sneaky way for me to feel like, okay, give me all this stuff so I can run and do my thing. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that's great. So you're not spending so much time chasing stuff or looking for something later on or having to come back with another question. Yes, because we've all been there. No, that's cool. Listen, Kayla, thank you so much for taking time out to, to chat today. Go to beingfreelance.com and there'll be links through to Kayla so that you can find her online, be it on Twitter or Instagram or wherever. Uh, and of course, take a look at her website as well. Oh, and I meant to ask you about this as well, because this still seems like a really smart thing, which maybe is a hangover from when you were trying to do the whole product thing in your first year. Your, I don't know what they call it. Is it like an opt-in magnet you know, for the email address type thing. Yeah, I've had lots of different types of email opt-ins. And of course, every everyone has kind of a different performance level. So it's been really interesting just to try a lot of different types and see what works best for me. Yeah, so at the moment, uh, it says here, a free seven-lesson email course, which I'm just going to read it all out to help you make a killer impression with your website <laughs> copywriting. Uh, I'll, I'll leave the rest. Uh, go take a look. Uh, beingfreelance.com, there'll be a link through. So you've tried that you, you, you're you constantly kind of tweaking what, what it might take to get people to sign up. Is that it? Absolutely. Yeah. So the email course has been really great. I know my most successful opt-in ever has definitely been um, the interactive quiz that I have on my website. It's crazy how much people just totally love being able to be told that there are certain kind of personality result. Um, I, I love it. It's so much fun. Um, but yeah, I love just being able to kind of get creative with all of those things. And of course, kind of with experimenting them in my business, I'm able to kind of uh, help my clients when they're trying to figure out, okay, what kind of email opt-in should I do? So it's also been a good way for me to, yeah, kind of add on to my packages a little bit. <laughs> yeah, that's good. So actually, all of that stuff that happened in your first year has fed in, even though you're now doing services, has fed into that because you've realized that all of that stuff that you learned in that first year is either you'll take elements of it 
like you know the opt-in for your email to to bring you client details or you can use it to help write better stuff for your clients. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I definitely think that any any type of thing you do, even if it quote unquote fails, whatever that looks like, is really going to be what helps you move in the future. And I definitely feel like I learned so much more in that first year of self-employment than I even did last year when it was my most profitable year. So it, it's crazy how all of that works. But I so appreciate you letting me come on the show and talk about all of the ups and some of the downs too, just to have a little bit more of a transparent view of what freelance actually looks like. <laughs> no, that's wicked. Thank you so much, Kayla. As I say, beingfreelance.com. Go take a look. Of course, there's all the other guests. Tell other freelancers about it. Check out the videos uh, and the newsletter as well. And yes, I'm so glad that we have ended up on the up of all of those things as well. And I'm sure it will continue in that trajectory as well. Kayla, thanks so much and all the best being freelance. Thanks so much, Steve. <laughs> 